You're now listening to the Garage Guys Fantasy Sports Podcast. Welcome to episode 154 of the Garage Guys Fantasy Sports Podcast, brought to you by Drip Drop. Drip Drop RS was invented to treat dehydration in the most challenging circumstances. Dehydration has a profound effect on your health, mood, and performance. Used by top hospitals across the country, Drip Drop RS is safe enough for everyday use and powerful enough to help battle dehydration in the most challenging circumstances. It's used by athletes, firefighters, military members, and now you and me and Drew and all the other Garage fam out there, all the NASCAR fans and all the NFL fans out there because the draft's coming up. You're going to have to stay hydrated through that shit. That's a guarantee because if not, you can get really, really winded, out of breath, and your whole body will shut down because somebody didn't pick the player that you wanted the most for your team. So NFL fans, we're looking at you because now it's your turn to get the drip. So you go to dripdrop.com. Use promo code GarageGuys20 at checkout. You'll get 20% off your purchase. I drink it all the time. I'm drinking some right now, actually. Got the lemon flavor. And, um, yeah, it's time for you to drink it. So, hop to it. Get the drip. Drew, hello. Did you say get the hop because uh, you're feeling very Easter, you know, the aftermath of the Easter making you say hop? Yeah, spring spring is in the air. You know, we're, we're hopping to it. We're hopping to drip drop, and we're hopping to Easter egg hunts, you know. Um, some crazy shit went down this Easter, man. Like, some shit I've never seen in my life. Have you ever seen where, like, you tell kids that we're going to put these jelly beans in a garden, and then the next morning they're going to grow suckers? No, that sounds like something – someone on drugs would come up with. Yeah. Well, uh, that was my, that was the, uh, the in-law that was so, <laughs> so yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Easter bunny for all of you listening to this under the age of seven. Um, so yeah, the Easter bunny basically brings, uh, brings these, these jelly beans and then the next day they turn into suckers. And I went out in the next morning and my kid was like freaking out and he was like, they're suckers. They're the, the Easter bunny made the jelly beans turn into suckers. And they're just like these suckers planted in mulch. In a I would garden. be freaking out too. I mean, rightfully so. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. That's some wild shit. I've never heard of that in my life. So new Easter tradition uh, just came down. The Easter bunny will turn your jelly beans into suckers. Crazy shit. This is a, a crazy story because usually you open up with crazy times. That's one of your things you say is crazy stuff, crazy times, but this time it's actually a fact. Crazy yeah, times. This is crazy shit. Like I was like, holy crap. So see, the more we're doing this show, it only took us 154 episodes to get to this point to where I can actually say something crazy about the times. So we've done it. Officially. At least half the times there. It's pretty crazy though. We've had some crazy moments coming on right when we start recording after uh, Sunday night football, we had some, some wild ones. We did. Oh man, football's coming back, dude. We got a we got a draft on Zoom coming up next week. It's gonna be fun. We we should be in Talladega as well. I cried Ooh, a little bit. Cried don't tell me bit. that. I kind of forgotten. Yeah, mullet toss. You had that going on too. So all of my uh, trips. This is honestly my usually my favorite time of the year for all the stuff I do with the with the guys. So pretty sad, but 
I have a lot to be thankful for, so I'm not going to complain too much. That's but right. Eating, March, eating hey, March Madness. I still am hung up on that because you, you told me you've never done March Madness, and we have to make that a priority. COVID robbed it from me. I never got to, <laughs> I never got to bet on March Madness. So, yeah, COVID robbed that from me. Thanks, COVID. Um, not, even, so, yeah. not even just sports betting. You have to do March Madness. Like, literally yeah. sit down in front of four TVs at a sports book and all day. Okay, so this is the plan. Since, since it was robbed not only from me and you but from the world – Next year, we literally just – I need to just, like, get up there for, like, however long. What is it, like a whole month? It's a month of a tournament, but the, the weekend that everyone kind of celebrates and, and watches is the first weekend because it's the round of 64. So there's four games playing from, from 10 a.m. till 10 p.m. Okay. That, so that's Thursday through Sunday. So you have Thursday through Sunday just a, a weekend. Okay, so I'm going to be wherever you are, and you're going to be wherever I am at that time. And then we're going to do it and we're going to film it and we're going to, we're actually going to like live it. And then we'll always have it to live. Chase's first March madness that he ever really gave a shit about. Going to be fun. You're going to be addicted. Oh, I know, dude. I've, you've already, you've already got me addicted to so many things now. <laughs> That's not like, thing. yeah, maybe not, but like, dude, like literally like, like we've been talking now guys for you know like since the quarantine and whatnot we we're, we're stationed in our normal habitats or whatever never once have i heard drew talk about eating lucky charms students never like just been like i love lucky charms i'm a cereal boy i love it all like out of the blue one night he's just like i'm eating some lucky charms and i'm just like that's some random shit like dude's just eating some lucky charms i was like fuck so you know what i did you went and bought some Lucky Charms. I wanted to be like Drew, but not all the way like Drew. So check this out. So I'm in the grocery store, and, and I, I, of course, I have my gloves and my protective equipment on. And I'm going down the cereal aisle for some random reason, and I'm like, man, I want some fucking cereal. I'm like, Drew was talking about them Lucky Charms. I was like, just some cereal and some milk sounds great. So I got the best cereal of all time, which is Apple Jacks, the most underappreciated cereal of all time as well. And so I've just been eating a shitload of Apple Jacks, man. It's been great. I'm glad I inspired you. You um, did. You couldn't do exactly what I did, though. That would be too much. You had to do yeah. a variation. That would be like me and you going to the race, both wearing the same pair of jorts and those those really weird shirts that we ordered that had our car, the, the iRacing car that we had on them. They, did you, I don't know if you got yours in, but I did not like the way that shirt felt. So we're going to um, – it just felt really like – I don't know. It felt like a girl shirt. I couldn't dig it. I got to get some Gildans, some thick Gildans for those shirts. I'm anticipating going back and having like 18 different packages at my doorstep. Literally. Probably, probably so. And you can just, you can just call me, open them. But yeah, I don't know. Those shirts that they sent us, like whatever material they made out, that's like nothing more than a jack off rag. So yeah, don't buy those shirts. I'm probably going to take them off to the store. Yeah, I think you should take them off. We got to revamp that because the the idea behind the shirt and the idea of the uh, paint scheme was phenomenal. Just poor execution on the shirt. Yes, exactly. So we're, we've got the same graphic. We're just going to put it on a nice thick Gildan. So that's coming. And we also have the new Garage Guys Racing logo uh, up on our Teespring store. Uh, you can go to teespring.com slash stores slash Garage Guys Fantasy Sports. And you can use promo code LOCKDOWN to get 15% off of your order. If you want to order one of the new garage guys racing, uh, we got hoodies, t-shirts, uh, kid shirts, and I think there's a coffee mug. So yeah, you can get all those things 15% off with promo code lockdown on the Teespring store. 
And, um, but yeah, so, so much stuff uh, has been happening with, with us as a company and as a brand. So we have a lot of big things that we're going to be unveiling over, you know, the next few weeks and months. Uh, we just, we decided to take shit up a notch. We're, we're ready to go into that second phase. So I know me and Drew are both excited and, um, and you guys, we're going to be keeping you guys in tune. One of those things uh, that we're going to be doing is introducing Garage Guys Radio on the Station Head app. So I have posts up on Twitter and Instagram right now. You can get over there and check those out. I will be live tonight, Friday at 9 p.m. Central time, uh, playing music, talking. So you guys swing by. I'm taking requests and everything else. So we're just trying something new out. We're doing the uh, we love music at Garage Guys, and we want to know what music you guys are listening to. We love sharing music, and we're just going to make that one to two hours just dedicate around music and talk. So it's going to be really fun. And that, again, that's on the station head app. So be sure to download that and follow garage guys radio, but the, uh, the sports news world, a lot of, uh, a lot of swirling rumors in the NFL area. Drew, would you, what, what rumors have you been hearing? I'll just highlight the two like biggest names um, that we've seen. And a lot of it's probably speculation and rumors, but Hey, what do we have to talk about? Um, Rob Gronkowski rumors coming out of retirement to play with Tom Brady, probably like 99% fake, but still a fun topic to talk about. And then the other one was Odell Beckham possibly like asking for a trade or, or the Browns wanting him out to go to the um, Vikings. Oof. I, I don't want to live in a world where Kirk Cousins and Odell Beckham are on the same team. They're not the same kind of people. That wouldn't, that wouldn't merge well at all. Like, can you imagine a world with Kirk Cousins and Odell Beckham Jr. like being friends? I think we kind of saw it with uh, Diggs. I mean, Diggs is supposedly kind of a, a similar to Odell. No, nah, I don't know. Diggs is different than Odell, man. Odell's on another like another wave than Stephon Diggs. I am excited <laughs> about Diggs in Buffalo, though. See, I think that's more of. I mean, I agree there that Odell. The perception is he's he's a much bigger diva, but. I think he's just a bigger name in general. So we're going to see to be determined on Diggs, but I would keep your eye out on, uh, on him. Yeah. So Odell, I, I definitely think Odell could be on the move. Even after the Browns got those fire ass throwback new uniforms. I love them to death. They just went back straight to the classics. It looks so crisp and clean. Like other crisp. teams, sh they should take notes, like take notes, like Atlanta, please take notes, like d discard all the other jerseys you have. And then just use that one classic throwback that Calvin Ridley had on. That's the only one you need. We're at every, at every game, home or away. Who cares? Um, but, you know, I love, love what the Browns do with their uniforms. But the Rob Gronkowski news, that's 100% fake. You say 99, I say 100. That's just people swirling shit. Because, like, uh, Gronk, yeah, Gronk was on – it's like any time – like now that, that Tom Brady's went to another team or any time that there's ever been speculation that he was going to go somewhere else, everybody was quick to follow up. Well, Gronk's probably going to go there too. Gronk's just waiting to see where Tom goes. Like, shut yeah. the fuck up. Like, like Gronk is smoking weed right now, getting high as fuck and selling CBD oil and riding on Peloton bikes and just living life and doing crazy shit in the WWE. That's, that's what Rob is doing now. Rob doesn't give a shit unless, unless, a lot happens with his new boss because his new boss just folded uh, an entire football league. It, they are investigating him for covering up a murder. So that's Vince McMahon. So everything might come crumbling down 
for Vince McMahon. And I know that we should probably talk a lot more about that, but there's really nothing else to talk about. It's Vince McMahon. Are you surprised? I'm not surprised. The guy's just uh, a, a bit of a wild card, but I think we like his energy overall. Um, obviously, if this is true, we don't necessarily like that energy, but I think also the WWE's gone through a massive round of layoffs as of today, so more Vince McMahon news. Right, exactly. So that's all happening, and this has to be behind the investigation of the murder cover-up. That's what I'm thinking, because this dude corona. probably knows that – Yeah, he, wait, Corona? I'm saying, like, it's probably – they're probably laying people off more to do with Corona, less to do with the murder investigation. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true, but think about it, okay? This is, like, the perfect time to be like, fuck, I'm about to get investigated for murder, but there's also a virus, so I can just blame it on the virus. But really – What's going down? You're a conspiracy theorist. You know what's happening is he's taking advantage of the virus situation to lay people off because he knows he's about to have to sell everything he has for lawyers so that he can get out of things. And then he also advised Trump about something earlier this week, which is really sketchy. So interesting. Uh, yeah. Like Vince McMahon's had a week, man. This, yeah. dude's, this dude's had a week, bro. I don't know what else to explain it. But, yeah, Gronk, no. Uh, Gronk's not going to Tampa Bay. But there, the rumors are that O.J. Howard, uh, that's where it all started, was the people started talking about O.J. Howard was looking to be traded possibly. I think that would be the dumbest thing they could ever do because, like, I feel like finally O.J. has the potential to be used in a way that he needs to be used with Tom there. And I don't know why it never really worked out before with Jameis Winston, but we all know that Tom definitely is going to be wanting to use the tight end a lot. So I think that this could really play out into OJ Howard's favor. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out, but go ahead and put the Gronk news to bed. Yeah. Uh, to your point about OJ Howard, safe to say that after this year, right, we'll a hundred percent know without a doubt whether this guy's good or not. Like yes. if, if he doesn't have a good year this year, just go ahead and cancel that idea. I don't want to hear any more hype about fantasy football, you know, pre-draft stuff on OJ Howard. This is his last year. So right. if he's not, if he's not a tight end four, Oof, okay. Too much. <clears throat> like if he's, if he's okay, six, top six, I would say top five because of, because you got to think of the hype, the amount of hype he gets. If he's not, at least a tight end five at the end of the year, then like, yeah, goodbye. Because he gets, he gets enough hype. Like last, last season, he got enough hype where people thought he was going to be a tight end three. Yeah. It was nuts. And I was off that train. Yeah, you were. Congrats to you. I was not, I was buying, I was all in on it. I was the year of Winston. I was all about it. And he did have a year, but it went both ways. So funny. I, I'm still waiting to see where the hell he's going to turn up and Cam Newton. There's still a lot of speculation. We'll find out more about that after the draft, I'm sure, and we'll have a lot of coverage for the draft coming up. I just started my research for NFL season again. I'm looking into some of these uh, these combine tapes and, and stats and things like that. So, I'm strong, uh, strong odds one of the two does not have a starting job. There's just not enough teams. Right. Yeah, I know. It's going to be – That's weird. I mean, that's weird, but there's not enough jobs out there. If you consider, like, people that draft a QB – yeah, and then the XFL folded, so it's like, where are you going to go now? Maybe that's why Vince McMahon bankrupted the XFL, because he knew that Jameis and Cam were going to come in. He said, over my dead body, so he just ended the league. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he hates them that bad. Hot take. <laughs> 
but yeah, that's a, that's about everything we've got pretty much for sports and then uh sports NCAA. i gotta call it ncaa okay yeah ncaa Sorry. that, that it was is just sports. The, Sorry. It, yeah it's just the big <laughs> news i have to talk about basketball a little bit i know you don't like it but this might seep over to football um but you know there's just constant debate on should athletes be paid and uh we're starting to see more nba caliber players basically just looking for workarounds to not go to college and start getting paid and um today it was announced that the number one prospect, uh, Jalen Green, is foregoing the draft and is going to play in the um, a G League or G League affiliate. There's like a um, basically a way where this guy's going to start playing for money right away, and he's going to be skipping college, which is a huge hit to the product of college basketball because it's really really strong, especially in March. But the more these players that commit to um, going to play a couple years or one year somewhere else before going to the NBA. That's that's how people are going to get leverage on getting paid is that kind of stuff right there. Right. Yeah, we will definitely in our lifetime, we will see college students get paid. Um, I, I 100% agree that we will see that within because, five years. Yeah, maybe even that, like I said, well, that's why I say our lifetime. I'm trying to be safe. But yeah, it's going to happen. It's got to happen. I'm a full supporter of it because I believe that it needs to be that thing because literally, let's be honest, you know, you recruit an athlete to your college, that person's not there to learn. That person's there to perform and play a sport and basically like help you win championships for your school. And then they get an education on the side because their goal is not really worried about that. They're worried about getting to the next level, which is the pros. It's like, I hate to think about a phenomenal athlete. Like when Zion was at Duke, I was so worried that he was going to get hurt because I'm like, if, if they got to play out all this time, it's like, if he gets hurt, that robs everybody and the player himself a chance to perform and reach his goal and his dream. And then it also robs us just fucking amazing gameplay in the pros. So it's like, I, I think about a lot of that stuff. So I definitely want to see those kids get paid. And for, to further our points, obviously I have the same stance here, but coronavirus should show us that how much we look to sports as an escape and how much we're looking at these 18 and 19 year old players um, for our entertainment. And that in in and of itself kind of shows right there that these guys, even though they're not in the professional league are already viewed as, you know, icons and role models. And um, that's just how big sports are. It's not just the pro leagues. Like NCAA matters, but yeah. You know, it's, it's just time to share a piece of the a piece of the pie with the players. You know, they're not there. Like he said, I believe it's great that they're getting an education, and I'm sure some of them take it more seriously than others. But at the end of the day, they're pretty much eat, sleep, play basketball. Yeah, that's it. Same for football, same for every other sport. I think you had mentioned that uh, Fossey or whatever the doctor's name is that's with Trump. I don't watch the news, and I'm very public about that. I don't care. Shoot me, sue me, whatever. Um, says that we may be seeing sports returning. I know the PGA has announced that sports are coming back and NASCAR might be the next one. So that's good news because I'm tired of betting my money on video game race cars. And, and I'm still <laughs> going to write about it. And I'm definitely still, we got garage guys racing in the Erska League. We're still participating in all that. But I want to put my money on real things this time. I'm ready for that again. I miss that action. Me too. And I 
think NASCAR really should make a big effort to push to do it quicker rather than later. Just because if you think about sports in general, this is um, the type sport that you can get out there and go quickly because the driver's isolated. Let's get these tests out to the teams and have them checking it every day, you know, temperatures and stuff like that. Just it's minimal risk. And I don't see why they wouldn't be one of the more proactive sports up front. Cause it's not like these guys are on a basketball court sweating on each other and stuff. Right. So hope, hoping to see all that come to terms, but, um, but yeah, that's about all the sports news that we've got. And uh, we're just ready for sports to come back. We miss you. You beautiful mistress of ours. We're ready to, to stroke your loins again. Sports love sports. Um, Ozark season three, second half recap. Let's pick back up where we left off, and it's a little more fresh on your head. I'm going to let you lead the way. It's been about two weeks since I finished it, so you're going to be able to bring a lot of things to the forefront for me really quick. But let's kick back up whenever Marty uh, gets back from Mexico in Navarro's basement having to listen to death metal and uh, going through psychological torture. Yeah, so – I think there's a few key events that I want to at least hit on throughout the second half. And obviously the first one I want to talk to you about and the audience about is he comes back uh, after this life changing event and he, two things stick out to me. He buys the old video game. He plays a kid and he immediately the next day wakes up super early and prepares everything gets out. Like he acts like nothing's happened and he's in complete control. Those are the first two things starting in like the midway point that I wanted to bring up. Um, just start with your general thoughts on like the game and how crazy it was that he was up early and like fixing breakfast and just, was it a power move? Is that what the, is that what it was? Or was he just, you know, he was, he was reborn, man. Like that's the way I looked at this whole scene because you know, he goes up there, like they're basically trying to see if they can do everything without Marty and then, of course, one of the accounts gets frozen. He has to go upstairs, and they basically call him up there, and he fixes it within seconds. You know what I mean? He takes care of business. And then that's when he's going off, and we talked a little bit about that, where he's like, I won, motherfucker. Like, I did it. Like, let me go. They throw him back down, and he comes back out. You know, he asks him for uh, – you know, he asks him to be thanked or whatever, and he does it, but they send him home. When he gets back, we saw the flashbacks of the video game, him and as a, as a kid. All he wanted to do, he realized, he said it himself, you got to have money to win the game. Like, you got to keep putting money, you got to keep feeding it. And so that's kind of where we learn about his relationship with money and where it all kind of started and drove from. So he buys that game kind of as a reminder because I think without that thought and that memory to hold on to, he probably wouldn't have made it through that experience because maybe he looked at his, him serving that time in that basement as just putting coins into what the overall, you know, plan was and the big picture. Cause we always say it and everybody else does too. He's a big picture guy. So I think that Marty has definitely regained control and him being able to be up in the morning. That's just showing, uh, it's showing it's asserting dominance and it on Wendy for one, because you can definitely tell the tension was there. And it's letting her know that I've been doing this all along. You may be thinking that this is going to phase me, but you're the one that got in over your head and I've got everything balanced now and I'm good. And it all, you know, it leads up to something, you know, we'll get to the point to the phone call that Wendy had with Navarro. I'm not sure how long after that was, 
but I'll go ahead and just say it now. Um, you know, when Wendy called Navarro, basically they were, she was asking him something about why they let Marty go or something like that. Why they let him go or was it about the assets being frozen? And he said it straight up. Me and your husband are very much alike. You're a lucky woman because he wants to win. That's all he wants. He just wants to win. And it spoke so true to his personality and who he is. But if it wouldn't have been for the FBI agent that actually put that freeze out, then we never, this never would have happened. So that's where she comes into play big is that she was a part and a reason why he got that chance to get out of there. And then that's when he said that he was going to turn her. Yeah. So glad you brought up that point. It was one of my things I wanted to highlight was her role uh, with the account and just her overall role. Speaking to her role in general, what do you think her true intentions are? Like, do you think she just thinks he's that bright of a mind and that bright of a potential resource, or is there another agenda there? And when I say other, another agenda, like, could she be already flipped, or, or does she have some kind of weird feelings for Marty? Did you get that vibe ever? So, I don't really. I definitely think there's some mystery there. Like, you know, there's definitely the, she's got like a, maybe it's, maybe there is a vibe where she kind of has a thing for him, but it's more of like a mystery deal. But let, let's be honest. They know that they can't get him. They can't, they can't touch him. He is so careful. He is so meticulous and he makes sure that everything is, all the puzzle pieces are put together completely fine and there's no real evidence that they have. So I think that that's why she immediately dives into offering him a job, but having to serve time is the issue because he knows, she knows that there's nothing else that they can do because they're just going to have to wait till he fucks up. And then that might never come because of how, you know, how good he is at what he does and, and how he launders money and how he keeps it all looking legal. So, as far as <clears throat> if she's working with someone else, the thought has crossed my mind that maybe she is on the, that maybe she's already bought by the other cartel. And that could be something that we see transpire in season four, because he is very comfortable with her. Like he doesn't say anything incriminating, like he knows his way around it, but he's gotten very comfortable at just kind of insinuating what he does and, and, and who he's involved with, with her. But he does it so well because he knows that there's really no evidence to tie into it to make it happen. So I'm interested to see if she's already working uh, for them. But I think that what's happening is that Marty has realized how to get her to play their side without even realizing she's playing that side. And I think that's what Marty's trying to do. I agree. And they're both playing a game in a sense, because in the second half of the season, there's two points. Um, she, he tries to do like a weird flex where he acts real mad at her, just kind of mind, mind games. And then she ends up doing it like an episode later. So I think both of them are playing. I just think we know Marty's intentions and we don't know hers. Right. Yeah. And so that's the mystery element. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. And then um, one more thing just about her. Like, I mean, I'm sure we're going all over this. We're going to cut in every story, but like whenever she was warning him not to get on the plane on the last episode, you know, like that was some, you know, you get those same vibes. Like, what does she know? Does she know? Is she with someone else? What Intel's being put around here? So 
cannot wait for season four. But after after that whole episode right there, you know, we kind of keep going on. That's when we start getting more into where the shit starts really hitting the fan. The other cartel comes onto U.S. territory. They're going to do a pickup for one of the casinos with the KC mob. And um, basically the guy that works for um, the guy that works for the KC mob was like trying to Mac on Helen's daughter. Um, but the kids were like at the beach and shit like that. And the, the kid finds out about, you know, Helen's daughter or whatever. He's actually working with the FBI. The FBI has already got him under his control. So he's trying to get Intel on him, but he works with the KC mob as well. And they know that. So there's the, uh, it's the, uh, the boyfriend of, um, the last, uh, detective can't think right. of his name yeah his agent petty's boyfriend or ex-boyfriend yeah, the ex-boyfriend so he's like he's basically on that blood mission now that petty was on to catch these guys because he's got a lot of emotion tied into it now too and so you got this kid well the kids ended up on the truck actually ruth is going in to uh to do the pickup and then they swarm in bomb it meanwhile ben is you know wendy's brother with bipolar him and uh jonah are using a drone and they capture all of it on tape basically and we never really hear nothing else about that but that was enough for the fbi to be like okay well we know this we know this we see this why was this person there what were they doing here and that's when shit starts getting hot yeah and i mean you said nothing really happened with the video at the time until later but really um, this event is what kind of shed light to Ben realizing just how crazy his sister was, like how crazy and deep the birds were into the, to the cartel game. Um, and in a, in a, in a sense, this one event also was like a catalyst to the rest of the, the end game of this season. Right. Cause you saw Ruth turn on the birds. You saw, um, Ben turn on his family or at least angry with his family you saw um, Marty and Frank Cos is it Cosgrove? Frank Cosgrove, yeah, who's the KC mob guy. You saw those two um, terminate their relationship, and both of those guys were supposed to be able to pretty much, no matter what happens, eliminate emotion and be be partners. So that's just how bad it got from this one event of um, product being blown up and a message sent. Right. Yeah. We see, we see, you know, like there's so many storylines that are going to carry over, but you know, we see Ben, that's when he starts spiraling out of control and then he starts exposing shit. Helen doesn't think that they're stable. She's going to Navarro saying we need to cut the birds out. Let me run this. I'll move to Ozark. She's getting involved with the, uh, the, the politician and trying to get the casino licensing in her name. Like there's all kinds of shit. And like, but Marty's smart enough to pick up on all that stuff with Helen. And then, but you got to remember too, aside of all that stuff that's happening where we lead up getting towards the end of the, the show, there's something else going on um, in the, in the, in the Ozarks. And that's with Darlene. Oh, Darlene. Mm. Darlene. Mm. Jacob, Darlene. Jacob. I'm Jacob Snell and I'm dead now, but Darlene is fucking a young boy. (laughs) So fucking Ruth's brother. uh, We start the show off thinking that he went off to college and he got all this money. And and we forgot to mention that in the beginning of the show, but he's in this big fancy house in a bubble bath and he gets run out. He ain't doing shit with his life. Ever since he found out Ruth killed uh, that Ruth's uh, 
dad was killed by her. He's kind of lost it all. Well, then he gets thrown into jail and then Darlene bails him out to come work on the farm. Pretty much her Darlene and him start fucking, which is the nastiest shit in the world. All that's going down. And so now we get up towards the end of it all. Darlene slowly recruiting Ruth and getting all them involved. And then after uh, Frank Cosgrove Jr. beats the shit out of Ruth, you know, Marty and them aren't going to take any action on there because they don't want to cause any issues. Well, fucking Darlene goes and says, I'll take care of you, baby, and goes and shoots the son of the KC mob's dick off with a shotgun. Like, this Who was bitch, literally deemed, like, invincible. Like, you can't touch him. Yeah, but. yeah. And she literally put that barrel right on the tip of that dude's dick and exploded it right in front of his eyes. Like, that is the most traumatic way to die. You just bleed out of your pelvic region and your dick and balls just got blown off. I, they, dude, I would like beg someone to like slowly slit my throat before that happened to me. And it's all because of that bitch, Darlene. <laughs> I miss Jacob, man. Jacob, but, yeah. but you know what? The, the fact is that Jacob couldn't even keep this bitch in check. This bitch is nuts. She's out of control. She's power hungry and she's just as greedy. And she's got her own end game. Well, we see it all lead up. All of a sudden now the Langmores and, and the Snells are going to do this group shit, getting ready to run heroin. The cops aren't wanting to run heroin. At the end of the episode where we, we've got, you know, the, the two different storylines, it's like Wendy had to kill her brother. She knew that he was going to die. There was no getting out of it. He had only caused too much shit. He had to go. Wendy comes home after drinking in a parking lot for two days, just like fucked up, like just buying gallons of vodka sitting around like that. I, whoa, 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 whoa. Wild, wild shit. She ends up getting home and she doesn't want to get out of the bed. Marty's got to take care of business or whatever. Well, then that's when Helen starts her own shit. They, they go to get on the plane at that time. Darlene's having a meeting with the dude that she shot the dick off of his son. And just the, the tenacity that that woman has to just roll up in there at the KC mob and be like, hey, y'all going to run my heroin now because I shot your son's dick off and that's about it. And I'm a crazy bitch. So here's some money. Like, and everything's just honky dory now. So now we get that. And then we get to the, the last thing we got to talk about. Do you want to do the honors of telling this scene or do you want me to? Tell no, you? I want to highlight one more scene and then I'll let you do the honors in the last scene. Okay. Um, one of the most underrated scenes of the second half of the season, possibly my favorite scene of the entire season, was when the spiral out of control occurred with the therapist between Marty and Wendy. When oh my god, yes, when basically so like right the whole the whole thing was in summary, both of them were going at her to bribe her throughout this entire season and basically exposing the whole core problem of their marriage. And they didn't even realize it. And then once it's, once it's out in the air that both of them are trying to bribe, it's just like the floodgates opened and there was this like eight minute scene of them yelling at each other and she's just chilling. And it was just one of those scenes to me that I'll always remember. Yeah. And dude, I'm so glad you brought that up because I almost completely forgot about that because literally this woman is just sitting there getting all of this, this very sensitive information about how they work with the cartel and what they do. Like they are just going off at each other. And then, so the best scene for me of the whole season, now that I'm going back to the funniest scene for me is when 
after that, they try to make it worth their while. And, you know, she's just so like, well, it's going to cost a little more than that. Now it's going to cost a little more. And then this bitch rolls up in a Bugatti, bro. Like this yeah. is like straight up rolls <laughs> up in a Bugatti. Like the most like, 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 I don't even know, like, like everybody will know, like, there's no way in hell this woman can afford this car. Helen realizes this and then she gets a home dog to go in there and act like he's going for a, a, a therapy session and he kills her. So, and then when Marty finds it out, he's just kind of slowly like, <laughs> just like wipes yeah. his prints off and gets out. But she, she had that coming to her, but yeah, she was definitely somebody you gotta, you gotta give a little recognition to this season. That was pretty funny. How like the whole, that whole episode where the Bugatti and all that was great. Um, it was just good to see them finally say exactly how they felt though. In a, in a way as bad as that was and terrible of a thing to like witness in terms of a marriage, it's kind of what allowed them to eventually um, get back on the right path. And like, basically they both were all every man for himself and then ended up being Marty and Wendy versus Helen in the end. And I don't think they get there without that scene. Absolutely. So when we're getting up to the end scene, you know, obviously we get a phone call. There's, you know, earlier in the season there was having a baptism and then the other cartel came in and shot up um, his girlfriend, Navarro's girlfriend and family. And there was a baby left there. Well, last episode, they call him up and he wants Marty and Helen and Wendy to come to his, I guess his son, his son's baptism or his grandson's baptism. I don't, I don't really know if it's his kid or if it's his grandkid, but uh, I want to say it's his kid probably, but they invite him over and Helen has his kids in America. She brings them back to him and they get off the plane and you're automatically thinking Wendy and, and, um, and Marty are about to die because Helen's already talked about this. Like maybe not die, but we definitely thought something bad was going to happen. They were going to be like kept in Mexico or something. My first initial thought was that Wendy was going to stay in Mexico and then Marty was going to get sent back by himself and Wendy was going to have to do some kind of shit down there. I don't know. I, I was all over the place, but for them to get out of there after the FBI agent warned them not to, and Helen faked a confession to Petty's um, ex-boyfriend, the FBI agent, she was going to go there. Helen was going to expose that to him while they were there. Like that was going to happen. And then Jonah, we almost forgot Jonah putting the gun to Helen in the house before they left because yeah, of Ben had, dying. He had a little Ben in him. Mm-hmm. He straight up put that gun in her face and was pissed. And then she just left like nothing happened. But cause that's why, cause in her head, she's thinking, well, they're about to die anyway. And I'm going to get this whole operation and Ruth's going to be a part of what I'm doing or whatever, because that was all linked up at the end. But when they got off that plane, bro, like whenever I saw her kind of shadowing towards the back, that's the moment I knew she's dead. And then boom, and then blood just splatters all over Wendy and Marty's faces. And Navarro just comes in and finally gives them that recognition that they were both wanting from him. Because the whole season, all they wanted was to just be petted on the head by Navarro. And they got it in that one scene while they're covered in blood. And then we just get some Run the Jewels song come on. And like, is I don't know, to me, that was one of the top five best endings of a season that I've ever seen. I thought that the way that the screenplay, 
the reactions, the acting, the music, everything blended so perfectly. I was talking to you earlier about Westworld. There's not many shows that give me chills, but the way that that episode ended and that whole season ended, I didn't feel so bad that I have to wait another year to see what happens because of how good that was to me. Yeah, it was one of the best endings to a season I've ever watched. I will say the finale in general wasn't like the best thing in the world. I I told you, I think the middle episodes were the best. But in terms of just the ending, that was about as good as it gets. Um, But interested to see, I mean, she was such a big character that you take away her and Ben. I mean, Ben was a new character this year, but you add up the minutes of screen time between Ben and Helen – there's going to be a gap there. So I don't know if Navarro is going to be a bigger character in the season. I would think so. Um, and I'm sure we'll be in, introduced to, you know, an additional character or two, but um, thoughts on Helen. I mean, I think she played that role perfectly. She did. And I mean, I think a lot of people forget though, too, is like, you know, we, we didn't get introduced to Helen until what season two or yeah, yeah. season two. And I mean, before that, I can't even remember the guy's name. That was the guy Marty had to have conversation with. So, Basically, Helen took his spot, but they were a lot closer. Now, Marty and Wendy are as close as it gets. So, I, I would just say they basically have become that person. You know, I, I could see that. Like, they're just – they're directly linked to the man that's behind everything. And so, you don't need that middleman character anymore because they're going to be calling him, flying into him, discussing shit with him. If anything, I think that Wendy and Marty would actually end up getting some more people together to kind of like watch over them and make sure they're doing their shit. Right. I could see maybe Wendy becoming that type of person like Helen was. Cause it kind of seemed like she was, you know, wanting to be like Helen. She wanted to feel that power and she didn't want to feel like she was just some stay at home mom. I think that in season four, we're going to see both of these characters get a little bit more of what they really want out of life. There's definitely going to be twists and turns, but um, I think that, they're gonna we're gonna see a uh, a new dawn in what they're gonna be able to accomplish with uh, Navarro right into the picture and not on the outskirts anymore. Yeah, you would think so. They could go a lot of different directions really in um season four. They're setting up the um Langmores versus Langmores and uh Darlene versus Marty. Um and the Casey Casey mob against Marty. Um that's two obvious storylines that we're going to see. And I'm, I'm interested to see with no Helen as that extra layer between Navarro and them, what that will allow them to see um, in terms of like Navarro's life. Like this mean they have direct access to getting six hitman, like six, like six guns at their disposal at their disposal at any times just because they're that connected to him. You know what I mean? Right. Like, is, is that what that, like, did Helen have that ability to just call people up and say, Hey, I need you here. Cause I know they have that one guy, what's his name or they call yeah, him. They're definitely going to have that guy with them. That, that kind of person is going to be with them at all times. Like that you're, that's the, basically your personal hitman. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're definitely going to have that. Another, another fun theory that I had that I thought about was, um, you know, what if in this season, basically, we ended out basically where they're thinking about doing some shit with the other cartel and working some stuff out? What if they're playing both sides of the cartel? What if they frame it up to get them to fight each other so they can get their out? 
what if, uh, you know, there, there's so many what ifs that could happen, you know, because we got to worry now about this confession that the FBI agent has for Marty when he gets back to the States. How is that going to play out? What's going to become of that now that Helen's gone? How are they going to get that shit proved and ha- not so raise flags? She, remind me, what did she exactly, what exactly did she say he did? She was, she basically went to him saying, I have a full confession for Marty that he works with the cartel and that he does all this stuff. So they would get him locked up pretty much and get him out. And I thought it was a mur- something to do with a murder suspect or was that a different scene? I think that was different. This was basically a confession to everything the FBI was wanting from Marty because okay. that was going to be her way of getting him put in jail, getting him out. She was going to take over the entire operation. And I can only imagine that Wendy would have probably went down with Marty some way, shape or form or they were going to be out. Basically she was going to get them cut out, but then it didn't happen that way. It's but super sketch now that she's dead and he's coming back. Exactly. So there's a lot of hurdles that are going to happen like off the jump. The first episode should be uh, incredible coming back into, uh, to Ozark season four. So I can't wait for it, but um, it's been good talking about it. And again, you guys can go back and listen to the first half of this recap on episode 152. Um, but Drew, I think that that's about all we got for, for us on this podcast. I got to do an interview with a very special guy uh, that blew up on the uh, social media app TikTok. He's out there everywhere now. He's, uh, he's like America's favorite dad that likes to yell at the TV. We all know a guy like that that just like wants to watch sports and yell at the TV. Well, this is the poster dad, Randy the Plumber. We talk a lot about his come up on TikTok. We talk about NASCAR. The NASCAR knowledge that this man has is insane. We talk about how we want to build up NASCAR. We're all on the same page here, same vision, good stuff. But an incredible interview. Hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, let's roll it to Randy. I got the fucking grocery, son. I'm going to the fucking house. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest to episode 154. Um, a while back, I was looking around online. And I decided to get an app called TikTok. I uh, decided to start putting some of the Garage Guys content up on there and just kind of messing around with it. And one day I'm scrolling on uh, the For Your Page option. And I see this guy yelling at a television and calling the Rams uniforms Disco Lemons. And I I was uncontrollably laughing. So you already hear the laughter, guys. And uh, I would want to welcome on Randy the Plumber to the show. Randy, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Oh, man, my pleasure. Oh, shit. There it is, baby. There's the oh, shit. I've been – so after after watching your videos, I probably spent like a solid two to three hours just saying oh, shit at everyone and everything that came into my path for like the rest of that day. Just oh, shit. Just like going off right. over and over. <laughs> am, am I, am I yeah, good? You know, if you, yeah, yeah. You know, if you save that, if you say that to the wrong person, they'll whip your ass. You know that, right? It is true. I mean, I mean, especially us being down here from the South, I also found out that we, we actually not, we're not too far away from each other either, which is crazy uh, being from, uh, from yeah. South Mississippi down here on the beach lines but yeah man yeah you got you got to watch out these days especially right now with all this going around because you scream <laughs> shit too loud people are going to think someone's coughing or somebody's got coronavirus in the in the in the grocery store yeah so you don't want to play you got some new videos well, let, let me ask you this 
Yeah, let me ask you this, because a lot of people tell me this. They say, man, I never realized how many times I hear, oh, shit, in a week from different people in different scenarios until I heard you do it on your videos. And now everywhere I go, I hear, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, have, you brought have you it. Noticed that? Have you noticed that? I have. That? It's branched out, man. It really has. Cause like ever since I started yeah. watching your videos, it just, it put emphasis on it because I'm sure it's been said for a long time and we've probably all heard it, but we just, it goes in one and out the other, but now you've brought such a force to the, to yeah. the phrase. So now it's just like, it stands out everywhere you go and everyone knows where it's from too. So that's another yeah. amazing part of it. But um, well, the, the phrase, the phrase has so many different meanings, though. That's the thing is it's it's one of those things you can apply it to 10 million different scenarios. Right. You know, like like uh, your buddy calls you says, hey, man, let's go have a beer. You say, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, and then then somebody calls you up and say, hey, you know, my, my daughter's 16 and she's dating that kid down the street you don't like. And you'd be like, oh, shit. Right. Yeah. It's all about the emotion. It's the emotion you put behind it. So yeah, it's so versatile, but it's, uh, you, you own it now though. It's copyrighted trademark by Randy, the plumber. And anytime yeah. someone says that you need to be searching for royalty checks, like I, I think I owe you now, <laughs> like for saying it twice, <laughs> but, but man, no, I, I gotta ask though, like, you know, with, uh, with TikTok, I found out about TikTok. I'm 28 years old and I found about yeah. TikTok, uh, probably around like the end of last year and decided to get on it. Um, and, and it's one of the newer social media standpoints. And I mean, it's booming over there, man. Like there's all kinds of crazy stuff that happens and goes on, but yeah. what, what got you onto that platform and, and, how did everything kind of start for you and how did you get where you are today? Well, I mean, my daughter was 16 at the time and she kept every day she would send me to my message on my message box on my phone. She would send me TikTok videos and, you know, and I kept watching them and, I, and she said, you really need to download this app and make a video. And that probably went on for six months, her telling me that. And then finally, one day, I said, you know what? I'm going to get the app. I'm going to get on there, and I'm going to prove to you that I ain't that funny. Okay? Because she said, my kids think I'm the funniest person on the planet, and I hear it all the time. They're not wrong. I was going I was, <laughs> I was to get on there and prove that I was not that funny. So I get on there, and I make a video, and all I'm doing is saying, oh, shit, three times in a row. That's it. My very first video, October the 27th of last year, something like that. And then I start research. I post a video and I research the rules of TikTok. And it says, you got to have a thousand followers to do lives and this, that, and the other. I told her, I said, well, I won't probably ever be able to do a live. I won't have a thousand followers ever. And exactly eight minutes after that video posted, I had a thousand followers. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I was like, I was like, people like this. I mean, I'm just, this is some stupid shit and people really like it. So I just make these dumb videos, what I call dumb videos, you know, and then I'm sitting here watching the Steelers and the Browns play and old boy rips off Mason Rudolph's helmet and flattens his head with it. <laughs> and uh, I said, I, I got to make a video about this shit. So I jumped up and searched it back. My wife grabbed the phone and I said, uh, she said, what are you going to do? I said, I have no idea. Just video it. So she turned it on, the video started, and the rest is kind of history. I had, I think, 800,000 views that night on that one. You know, that's when I realized, hell, people want me to do sports. So that's good. I'm cool. I love sports. So that's what people want me to do. That's what the hell I'm going to do. 
Hell yeah, man. And, that, and not only that, though, because like the first sports videos, like I said, the first one I saw was the one of you with the sunglasses on and with the Rams Ravens game. And like I was yeah. literally the night before that game, like when that game was on before I saw the video, I'm just sitting here just like this looks like some some great lemonade punch bowl. Like this is what this this game is, and so you hit it, you hit it like right on, um, <laughs> and then you kept on going. And I think like I got off of TikTok for a little while, then I got back on it. And the day the day that I initially reached out to you was the day that you made one for the XFL, and I rolled over yeah. in my seat at work laughing so hard because you were just yeah. like, he's like, get the fucking groceries or some shit like that. Like, yeah, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, he said, I said. I got the fucking grocery, son. I'm going to the fucking house. Yes, dude, I use that. I use that still to this day. Just like if I see somebody like getting it like on a bike or something, he's like, he's got the fucking groceries. Just like getting down the road. Like there's a, like I said, these phrases that you're coming up with or you have, I mean, they're, they're amazing and incredible. And that's why you've gotten where you've gotten. And plus you already got the instinct. If you, Cause I do the same stuff. If I'm sitting down watching something, and I see it, I'm like, okay, I got to make a video about this right now. Like, you got that down pat, too. But, but yeah, sports was, like, like everything. Like, wherever I started, like, uh, seeing your videos, it was all, you know, recapping games or showing off plays. And, like, that's, like, the, one of the biggest things right now in the sports world because we're entering this age of the Internet where, like, everybody can be a sports commentator and everybody's doing these different things. So it's putting your own unique spin on it, which is incredible. Um, but then I find out – I wasn't sure if I ever going to see this, but I found out that you're into NASCAR and you started doing oh, NASCAR yeah. broadcasts. And, oh. you know, at Garage Guys, we're, we, we do fantasy football, of course, but we also have a very big presence in NASCAR and fantasy NASCAR and, and DraftKings and things like that. Um, so, like, that automatically I was like, okay, this is my guy right here. Like, this dude's covering NASCAR as well. Like, because, like, nobody's really doing that. A, a lot of people online aren't. There's a small community, but it's, yeah. uh, it's broadening it out. And, like, you're, you're a part of, like, helping to usher that movement in. So, I, the next thing, of course, I got to ask you is with the races coming on this year like how many races have you been to like have do you go to a lot or have you been to a lot in the past oh my gosh man I, I can't even count them uh <laughs> I would if I had to put a number on Talladega it would be in the 80s as oh, far yeah. as how many times I've been to Talladega uh Bristol uh Charlotte Atlanta Texas I mean I've, I've been to quite a few races I, I'm not just a race fan okay I mean people are race fans and then they're race fans. You know what I'm saying? You right. got some people that are race fans on Sunday and you got some people like me that back in the day when all these t-shirts started coming out for these drivers, we just went in and started flooding and buying merchandise. See, that ain't always been a thing of merchandise trailers. Oh no, not at my, all. My generation brought that in to NASCAR. Okay. But when I say I'm, I'm the real deal NASCAR fan, you got, you got people that are just, they, they hear about a good driver, he's young, they jump in there, and in a couple of years, they don't even know what the hell you're talking about when you say NASCAR. Yes. But then it, you got <laughs> you got the real deal, and, and that's there's a whole generation of us. And the reason I say that is I have a son that turns 24 this July. He is named after Jeff Gordon. His name is Jeffrey. Wow. And in and, and 96, when he was born, Jeffrey was a very unpopular name. Okay? so that Jacob was a very popular name. There were several very popular names, but he comes home from school and he says, daddy, I'm the only Jeffrey at my whole school. I said, well, that's cause you're special. <laughs> but, 
I told him, I said, you named after a race car driver, son, a very good race car driver. And then when he was six years old, I don't know how it happened, but he became a Jimmy Johnson fan. Oh. So, <laughs> I took what? him to Charlotte, and I took him to uh, the, the Saturday night. It was the Saturday night race. It would have been October. So the Friday night race would have been the Bush Series back then. And they had the SpongeBob SquarePants 300 yep. at Charlotte. And Jimmy Johnson comes out there with that SpongeBob car. And from that day forward, all I heard was Jimmy Johnson. Oh yeah, it was over. He he got he got into the groove. That's what happens though, man. Like a lot of a lot of kids that were around that area, you know, that time frame or whatever, they're all Jimmy Johnson fans. Like, see me, I grew up first race I ever went to, I got thrown in early as well. I'm 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 like you. I've been like lifelong. That's been like the first sport that I really like took a hold to. And um, you know, I went in and it, it was the battle between Earnhardt and Gordon for so long. Oh, yeah. I got to watch yeah. both of them race at Talladega when I was five. I think Dale Jarrett won that race. It was like 90, 97 or 98 at Talladega. It was the first race I ever went to. And, yeah. you know, my dad was a Jeff Gordon fan. And so, you know, normally, like, anytime, like, I wanted to, like, go get a snack or I wanted to go do something, and my dad was like, no. So I was just like – so I just started pulling for the number three car because he seemed to hate him the most. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. to that day for it, I was a Dale Earnhardt fan. So, like, that's how what. it started for me. <laughs> oh, one was rough on you then. Mm-hmm. Oh, one was a rough, rough year. And it didn't matter, man. I, I was not a Dale Sr. fan, okay? And, and let's get this straight. As much as I loved Jeff Gordon when he came into the sport, and I was a Davey Allison fan, and then Davey got killed, and I had to do something. So, I saw Jeff Gordon coming along, and I, I, you know, I said, this is going to be my boy. He ain't won nothing at that point. He's just a, a snotty-nosed kid, you know, in a, in, a, in a race car. He'd never won anything and as far as cup racing goes. And that, that's who I went with, you know. And, and that's just it, when, you, when you got your driver. But as much as I loved Gordon, I didn't love Earnhardt equally as much. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, like people say, Mississippi State fans say, my, my hatred for Ole Miss outweighs my love for Mississippi State. Okay, that's what they wow. say. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what Mississippi State fans will tell you too. But uh, you know, I, I didn't like Dale Earnhardt. I, I was a Gordon man, and you couldn't be both. There was no way to be both. If, nope. if you was both, something was wrong with you mentally. Right. Uh, <laughs> and 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 I hope that anybody that's hearing that, you know, doesn't think that I'm saying they're mentally unstable if they like both. But you probably had to be. No, let's uh, tell them the truth. They are. <laughs> yeah. Now, now it's different. Like to, in today's time, like yeah, you can look back and like appreciate both of them. But at the oh, time, yeah. yeah, there was no in between. But the, at the 2001 Daytona, the last lap, the last turn, my heart got broke. Yeah. Okay. And and I did not like Dale Senior, and but that was my love for racing. We had a, a devastated racing community that didn't know what to do, whether you was a Dale Senior fan or not. Right. If you loved racing, your heart got broke that day. And uh, it, it was the craziest thing. I couldn't believe it. You know, it was like the most unbelievable thing, unbelievable news you could give somebody. See, my, my favorite moment in NASCAR history, and, you know, everyone has their favorite moment. Okay, but my favorite moment, my number one, and I'm doing my countdown right now, and everybody knows it. what my number Yeah, I've, I've already done 25, 24, and 23. I'm doing 22 tonight, my top 25 moments of all time. And, you know, I'm, I'm on number 22. But my number one NASCAR moment ever 
is the July race at Daytona in 01 when Dale Jr. crossed the finish line, and I was not a Dale Jr. fan. And he crossed that finish line, and he met Michael Waltrip in the infield. Dude. I cried. I was a kid, but I cried. (laughs) Dude, that is the greatest moment to me in racing history. You cannot write that. Uh Uh-uh. You cannot say, hey, we're going to write a book, and this man's going to field some race cars, and his race car is going to win, but he's going to get killed on the last lap while his car is crossing the finish line. And then his son is going to win the next race at Daytona, and they're all going to meet in the middle and have a huge celebration. You can't write that. No, you can't. I don't but care what, how what do you think? What do you think about all the people? Like, there's so many people that think that race is rigged, and it makes me so mad, like, talking to people <laughs> that believe in that. You know, you know what it is, and I figured out what it is. I, I know exactly what it is. The people that, that want to say NASCAR is rigged, it's because they pull for a sport that they fear is rigged. Okay? NASCAR is not rigged, but you got all these people that think these other sports are rigged. Okay, and they're huge fans of that sport, so they're going to bleed over to our sport, which they're not truly a fan of if they think it's rigged. They're going to try to say, oh, y'all shit is rigged too. No, it's not. Fact is that NASCAR and and auto racing in general is the only sport in the world where there is no outcome known until the last second. Every single time. The outcome is not known. Football games are over with at halftime. Baseball games are over with sometimes in the first inning. Basketball games get blown out. But racing, you can never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, know who the winner is going to be until they actually cross the line at the very last second. That's true. And it's so true, man. And, like, that's the way I look at it as well. And, like, right now where we're at as a culture, like, you know, especially with the the Kyle Larson news that came out this past week, that definitely, you know, took a hit to the NASCAR community. Um, I don't know if you've got to really discuss that or not. I mean, you got any – like, I mean, basically, for me, the thought on that is is you don't say things like that, and what happened, happened. And that's about it, you know. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you something, and this is true with anybody. You always know someone's true heart when they say what they say when they think nobody's listening. Now, you can always have a person that's beautiful for the cameras, okay? Beautiful in front of the cameras and the most evil person you've ever seen when the cameras shut off, too. You know, but when when you think no one is listening, that's when you say the stuff that you truly feel. That's my opinion. And you know, I, be- and I believe in that as well, man, because I, I remember sitting there and seeing all the stuff happen on Twitter in front of me. You know, I'm a, I, you know, follow a lot of people that are in that community and seeing that video and hearing him say that. I mean, like for me personally, me and Kyle never really got along. You know, I wrote an article about him for uh, the publication Rotoballer that I write for last year. Me and him had some words on Twitter. Never really wanted to make eye contact at the races that I was covering. And yeah. so, you know, for me, it was just like, I, I didn't think, you know, I might not have liked him, like, you know, personally or whatever, like, or maybe we just had that little bit of tension, but yeah. saying that oversteps any of that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's, it's out the box and, and you, and it's selfish also as well. And that's the way I look at it. It's super selfish because we already have a sport that is looked at as this redneck, uh, and that's fine. There's parts of that culture that I love. You will never catch me at Talladega without a pair of jorts on. That is like that. That's law. I make sure. Of that. Oh yeah. But you got to have shorts on and a beer in your hand, baby. There you go. So so yeah, that 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 will always happen for sure. But it's like 
they, there's still a certain part where we want to bring more people in and, and there's going to be changes and different things. You know, they're changing the cars up and doing stuff, but it definitely put a little bit of a damper on it for right now. But I know that we're going to be able to overcome it. We've overcome so much stuff as NASCAR fans and continuing. And we're, I'm talking about fan fans right now, like me and you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. I, I mean, <laughs> it, it's uh, the sport has changed so much. You know, I'm 48 years old. I've been a fan for 48 years, but I've probably been a, a conscious fan for, for probably 35 of those. You right. know, because being 12, 13 years old, you're just a fan of whatever. You're having a great time. But by the time you're 13, 14, you don't kind of, right, this is who I'm going with and I'm really liking this stuff. Or you get bored with it and you go another direction. But I, I want to I figure out a way to get the kids to the track. Okay, because if we don't get these kids to the track now, three years ago at Talladega, my son was 17. My youngest son was 17. And three years ago, we took, I want to say, 19 teenagers to Talladega with us. I think it was 19. And we had a great time. We had a great time. We, we, We camped and we pitched a couple of tents. And that's where I like to be. I like to be around the Hellraisers. I'm just going to be honest. Man, we had a great time. Those kids had the time of their lives. And now all of them kids have went back to another race without me since then. So that means they're really getting into it. But I I, want to figure out a way to get these young people to these races and get them in them seats and enjoy that because it's, man, it's nothing like it. It's an experience. It's not just a race. Not just watch it on TV. You got to physically go to a race, sit there or stand up, and then you have an opinion. That's Is it. that reasonable enough? It, it, it better be, because that's yeah. what I tell everybody. So, see, guys, me and Randy are on the same page here. So, yeah, you guys, you guys come with your questions, and we have answers for you. Um, but yeah. right now, with us being able to, you know, we're having to stay in our houses, being shut up, what are you thinking about these, uh, these I-races that they're putting on every weekend? Yeah, I-racing, you know, it's, it, it's not real racing, okay? But it's <laughs> – you know, it's real drivers. It's real people. They're, they're, do, they're really controlling the fake race car, you know. And I think that for a country that has no sports, it's some sports. That's you know, right. it's, it's – it's, I, don't, I don't think people are going to jump out of their chairs and sit on the edge of their seat, you know, and that kind of stuff. But I tell you what's really cool about iRacing. And it's something I hadn't been able to see in a while. And I hope we see it again one day. It's consistently sold out bleachers. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. There's huge crowds. The, car- the cartoon people, man, like they, they're just, they're killing it out there. And the reason, reason I had to bring it up though, is because I saw your videos. Uh, you had one recently about the, the pit stops. That was another yeah. one that had me dead. Like talking about the yeah. fake pit stop people at the fake race. Yeah. Fixing there's the no fake little, cars. There's no little fake men and there's the jacks going up and down, but there's not even a fake jack man. Oh, man. Yeah, I really was expecting to see crews come running out there, you know, busting their me ass. Me too. Me too, you know? man. And, and at least run over a hose every now and then. I mean, it's all realistic. Right. Or you yeah. could be like Joey Logano and drag the damn jack all the way around the track. Oh man. Okay. So we, we, we've got here, we're here now. This is my question. So we all know that Joey Logano has a busted reputation in NASCAR. He's pretty hated, uh, by a lot of people. Okay. So I got a buddy of mine, uh, that works, uh, on for, for Penske. 
okay? And he was with Brad Keselowski's car for a while. And he's working with Joey Logano this year. He's his tire guy. And so okay. we're, we're out at Daytona earlier this year, and I'm out there hanging out with him. And I get to talk with Joey and chat with Joey. And I'm sitting here thinking, everybody hates Joey. But what if Joey's really not that bad of a person? And how can we make Joey likable in NASCAR? Yeah. What what would make Joey Logano likable? If he grew out like a handlebar mustache and a mullet, would that would that work? No. Oh shit. No, I tell you I tell you what I tell you all Joey Logano's gotta do is one thing and one thing only, and then the whole NASCAR world is gonna go absolutely ballistic with Joey Logano. What's that? And that and that is to have me at the race put his arm around me and say, this is my best friend in the whole world, Randy the fucking plumber, and he'll have every damn NASCAR fan. There he is. Okay, right so there. here's – okay, all right, so right now, <laughs> right now live on this show, Randy, the next the, – whenever they open up for media again and whenever we're able to go back to these races, because we go to these races and, you know, we're behind the scenes, we're on pit road, we talk to drivers, you, you're coming. Yeah. You're coming with Garage Guys. Okay. All right, I'm, I'm I, will, I will get you. I will get you pit passes and everything you need, and we're gonna bring you there. And I'm gonna get you with Joey, and we're gonna make that video with Joey. That's perfect, man. And that's all he's got to do. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you, and, and this, <laughs> this goes back to Joey Logano's first race. That's where he blew it. That's where he blew everything. Oh, okay, man. let's hear Joey it. Logano's first race. I think he finished seventh. I don't remember what track it was at. I want to say he finished seventh or eighth, somewhere around in there, his first cup race. Gets out of the car. He's just a, just a snotty-nosed kid, okay? Gets out of the car. 43 cars started that day. This was before the 40-car deal ever started. 43 cars took that green flag. 43 grown men, most of, all, most of which had been racing for years out there, okay? They love to finish seventh, right? Right. Okay, so Joey Logano gets out of his car, microphone goes in his face, and he said, I finished seventh. That's kind of below my standards. Oh, no. Yes, he did. This he is footage of race. Joseph I've never seen. I've never seen yes. this footage of Joseph. Go back and look at his very first race when he got out of the car and took the interview, and all of us old-time NASCAR fans didn't take it too kindly because there was a lot of our favorite drivers on that track that had been out there for years that we know would love to finish seventh on any given Sunday. Right. He just, he yeah. didn't know, he didn't know the talent he actually possessed and he undermined it. No, he, he's got extreme talent. That's the thing is he's, he's got too much talent for, I, he just, man, the kid's got too much talent and he was thrown <laughs> out there too early. <laughs> right. He, he came in the cup too early. He took a ride, you know, that, Tony Stewart was in, okay? I mean, Smoke, three-time champion. The man, the, right? the legend. Okay, and, and he, he steps into his car with the attitude, I've got to go out there and kick everybody's ass. I don't need to learn everything they learned. I just need to know it all right now. He was, he was Lightning McQueen from Cars. Yes, That's what happened. You, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you ain't got the knowledge, it, it doesn't matter. That's right. You know, See, and, and, I, and I completely agree with you and understand that. Because like I said, if, I, if I'm out there in a race car and it's my first race, I'd be happy to get a top 20. 
Okay. Yeah. Like that would be the, the most amazing thing. So he, he definitely, you know, he had very high standards for himself. And like I said, the more I've been around him at tracks, like I, I've gotten to talk to him, you know, little bits here and there and he's not, he's not so bad, but we're yeah. going to make sure that, that he gets washed away of his NASCAR of his uh, past NASCAR sins by doing a video yeah. with you. So that, that's <laughs> happening. All right. So we're making it happen. That, that might just do it. Joey, if you're listening to this, you 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 make we're making this happen. This is how we're gonna do it. We're gonna save the world all in one day. It's gonna happen. Um, so right now, right now though, uh, all all that aside, um, just going into the races and and where you are now, like I said, you were a Gordon fan. Is there anybody specifically that you pull for nowadays? Yes, yes. Uh, when uh, when Gordon announced his retirement, which I knew it was coming, me and my wife had actually expected it the year before. Uh, and then we were glad he didn't retire. And then, then he announced his retirement because that year before he retired was a pretty rough year. You know, he just, Jeff had done gotten some age, that big hit at Watkins Glen he took. Don't mm -hmm. let nobody fool you. That's still on his mind. Right. Okay. Uh, I've watched every lick that man ever took in his career and, and check this out. And this is crazy. Now I can't go back and prove this, but I can tell you that it actually happened. I never missed a lap that he turned whether it was in practice, happy hour, or at a racetrack, I either watched it in person or I watched every lap on TV. Holy every crap. lap. So what if you had to yes. go pee? What if you had to go poop, no. man? And I waited for commercial breaks, and I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't go when I'm at the track because it's 950 steps away. There you go. And by yeah. and, and plus your art, you're sweating, so most of your pee just comes out of your body through yeah. sweat. So it's not yeah, a problem. Seen, I watched every lap he ever turned. I watched every victory. I watched every pole he won, everything, okay? I love NASCAR. It's my thing. And then when he took that hit at Watkins Glen, I looked at my wife and I said, when he gets out of the infield care center, into that microphone, he will, stay, he will say that is the hardest lick I've ever took in my career. And his exact words come out of his mouth. That's the hardest lick I ever took in my career. See, you've been a fan of him so long that you know him. He's a part of your life. Like, do, oh, you, yeah. have a, do you have a, do you have pictures of Jeff in your house? No, I just got a couple of my diecast cars and stuff. There you go. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not gonna lie. Like, we, we went to a thrift shop and they had a they had a Rainbow Warrior 24. I couldn't pass it up just because it was the '90s replica model, and I gave it to my son because yeah. I was like, "Look, I want you to like NASCAR too." This is this car is just sitting right here, and it didn't belong in there because I mean, like anytime I see like '90s cars, like diecast, I have to get them wherever yeah. I'm at. It's a problem I have. But, yeah, yeah, some, it's an addiction, but it's a good one to have. It is, but it is know, for sure. But you know, when Jeff retired, man, I, I thought I was going to be done. I really did. I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to to get past that as a fan. It's tough when your guy goes. I know, I know yeah, the feeling. And, when Junior retired, and, man, it was like – I still don't have a favorite driver now. I'm, I'm like – I'm unbiased to, like, all of them now just because I go to the tracks mostly and cover it up from a media standpoint. So, yeah. you know, now it's different. But, yeah, Junior was my but, last driver I was a fan of. Well, check this out. So, I picked Jeff Gordon way back in the early 90s. Boy, he does well. well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean – the only person that's done better than him in this entire era is Jimmy Johnson. Right. Okay. I mean, let's just be honest. It, when, if, if you got a Jimmy Johnson fan, they're going to say the best NASCAR driver of recent is Jimmy Johnson, but they're going to say Jeff Gordon's number two. Uh, because we're talking of recent. 
you right. know, the past 20, past 20 years, let's just group that together. I don't want people to say, well, shit, he don't know nothing about the 60s and 70s. Young <laughs> I know plenty about the 60s and 70s. And most, I'm just doing most of these people, era. yeah, most of these people right here, like they're listening to this show, like the trust, these are nine, these are 80s and 90s babies you're talking to, my man. So it's yeah. good. But if we, if we block the last 20 years in NASCAR, Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, you can argue between the two, whatever you want to do. But so I pick him, he does well goes out there and wins, you know, multiple championships, tons of races. And then he goes to retire, and I don't know what to do. And my wife told me, she said, look, she said, NASCAR is bigger than Jeff Gordon. I said, no, it's not. She <laughs> said, yes, it is. She said, you have to look past this and think about all the fun you have at the racetrack. She said, are you just going to stop doing that because Jeff Gordon retires? And I said, well, hell no, I can't do that. I mean, that's my that's – my two drunk parties of the year, Talladega. <laughs> so I sit down and I think about it and I pick Martin Truex Jr. Not bad. Not bad. And he, hadn't, <laughs> he hadn't done anything at this point. Okay. You got to go back to the year Gordon retired, 2015. Martin Truex really ain't done much in, by 15. You know, so then he goes out and wins the championship immediately. Do you think? Do you think you are you're the reason that that happened because your fandom? Because it seems like if you became a Jeff Gordon fan before he did anything, I mean, we're, we're talking back when when he was driving the ba the ba baby Ruth car. Yes, baby okay. Ruth car. So yes, number one, your fandom could have propelled him to all the 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 success he had, and then when you got with Martin Truex Jr., Randy the Plumber, oh shit, energy entered into his 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 circle, and then he won a championship. <laughs> That's what well, happened. I mean, that's technically possible, but I, I like to say it this way. I'm just – I have a really good eye for talent. That's – I see something that, that tells me, hey, because when Davey died, man, it was crushing, okay? This is, this is not a joke, man. It was crushing. It was bad. There was a whole group of us that were just – because he had just got there. You know what I'm saying? He, he just got the cup, not long, and he was gone. Right. Kind of like Alan Kawicki, you know. Here we are. We're gone, bud. Hooters, man. You know? Mm -hmm. and, and that's yeah, – I, I still think about his championship nearly every day. And nearly right. every day. Man, man that, that guy was so much fun. He was just – he was such a free spirit. He didn't worry about corporate people. Hooters didn't care. You know what I'm right. saying? Hooters, Hooters wanted him to do whatever he wanted to do. That's it. He yeah, had the personality, man. And like, that's, that's what these drivers got to get back to, man. They got to get these, these more of these personalities booming because that's, that's what made that's another big reason of why NASCAR is like so fun. And that's what makes it so great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is, that's, that seems to be gone, you know, uh, and, and, and it's getting younger, you know, the, the era of Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon and these guys racing into their forties is fixing the end. It's fixing, to become, it's fixing to come to an end because these drivers are coming in younger and younger and younger every year. And these sponsors are running the show. Right. You know, it's their money that's making the decisions. And Kyle Larson just found that out real damn quick. Very fast. Yeah. So yeah. are you thinking Ross Chastain's going to take over that car? That's what everybody – that's the narrative everyone seems to be behind. I tell you, that'd be a good pick because they're in trouble. They're in trouble. Yeah. When we go back to racing, everything's different for them. Big time. Everything. You got to think about that. I mean, every, when we do go back, whenever that happens to be, uh, everything's different for them crew, for that crew. 
everything. So, I mean, Chastain might be a great driver to bring in to bridge that. You know, he's got a great attitude. He's a good guy. I mean, that's what else can you ask for? I'm, I'm not going to say that he's going to go out there and blaze the track up in the 42 car, but he might. Right. Well, he definitely has a personality. You know, he likes to smash his watermelons. So that's his thing. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll bring that, he'll bring that into play for sure. But yeah, there's a lot of people, we were discussing it. We were talking about the possibility of Chastain taking over the 42, um, the possibility of, of maybe just running, uh, have, you know, getting a filler and then, you know, Brad Keselowski's looking to get out of a contract supposedly at Penske. That could be another yeah. seat for him at some spot. Um, yeah, Keselowski's you know, going to that 48 car, buddy. Yeah. You're, you're saying, so you're 100% behind that movement right there. Hendrick for Keselowski. Well, I'm just going back to something Rick Hendrick said when Penske signed Kozlowski. You may remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. Because when Rick Hendrick speaks, I listen. And when Kozlowski left his flock and signed with Penske, he approved it. And he looked right into that camera, and he said, I will never let him get too far. Jimmy Johnson retires this year or next year, whichever year it happens to be. Okay. I'm fine with it either way. He's earned that. He's seven-time champ. You don't tell him what to do. Right. You don't tell him when he's done. And Rick Hendrick knows that, and everybody else knows it. Okay? I'm afraid Chad Knauss was trying to tell him he was done, and that's why Chad Knauss ain't his crew chief anymore. So that's probably, he may retire this year or next year. But when Jimmy Johnson retires, if these other three young guys don't win a championship this year, then that leaves Hendrick without a championship driver. And that's not going to happen. Yeah, that's not going to happen. I, I don't see any world where that happens either. You've always, you're always going to have that one alpha dog in that pack. Like that's yes, that's going to make it. And I mean, everybody's counting on Elliot to be that guy, you know. And then like William Byron is, you know, he's 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 able to he he's definitely improved from last year from the little bit of races that we saw. Uh, you know, going yeah. into this year, but it's going to take time for sure. And I mean, he's still adjusting and things. I mean, I, you know, he got the pole in Daytona, I think uh, for what was it? He won, no, he won one of the duels. He won duel two. Yeah. So yeah. he had all that going for him. I mean, so he's going to come around eventually. And I mean, I, I bet it's uh, I bet it's weird with the 24 running out there and not being Gordon in it. A lot of people that were Gordon fans decided to become Byron fans that I know. So it's uh, – Yeah, I mean, it's strange. You know, Chase went into it first, and I was cool with that. And then they were like, oh, we're going to give Chase the number nine, you know. And I'm cool with that too, but I just wish he could have been a nine slash 24. There you go. Because I'd already get, got used to one thing, and then it's like, you know, Jeff Gordon leaves, and now the 24 number seems to be unstable. We got two different drivers in two years. Right. We got to stick to it. You got to stick to like, <laughs> But, yeah, to, to leave Hendrick Motorsports without a championship driver in their stable is almost an insane thought because you got to go all the way back to Terry Labonte. Right. Okay? Terry Labonte was a champion in that stable before Gordon. Now, if you go back to 95, and this may make sense to you, it may not, but I break my NASCAR down. I break this stuff down. I understand it. I analyze it. I could probably go sit on somebody's pit box and coach them to a victory this coming weekend. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know what they do, why they do it, and how they do it. So, 95, Jeff Gordon goes out and wins his first championship, right? Right. Okay. If you take Terry Labonte and Ken Schrader, out of that Hendrick garage, he ain't going to win that championship in 95. 
because Jeff Gordon is a raw talent in 95 and you got to have the information from these veterans feeding it into that 24 car by way of Ray Evernham for Jeff Gordon to get that championship. Makes sense. That's, that's, it's all about that veteran. If you, you don't have that veteran that knows how to win a championship in your stable, your chances of success have went way down. Now you're going to go win races. Yes, sure you are. But when it comes to winning that championship, you ain't got no Jeff Gordon or no Jimmy Johnson getting behind these young guys and going, look, man, I did it seven times. Go get this done for the boss. You don't have that. Right. You got to have that morale in there if you want to keep it, keep it rocking and rolling for sure. So it does make sense though. Kez, all right. So Keselowski to the 48, we'll go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and put a stamp of approval on that uh, straight from you. <laughs> stamp of approval. That makes, that makes the most sense. So we know we got that. And then the last thing I want to ask you about NASCAR before we do go though, Randy is, you know, you seem to have this eye for talent. So I got to know out of these rookie drivers that have come in, you know, this year, um, you know, we got Tyler Reddick, Christopher Bell, uh, some of these guys, there's a few more. What are you thinking? Uh, how, how do you feel about Tyler Reddick and what do you think about him? What's your, what's your gut telling you about Tyler? I think Tyler Reddick, you know, and I classify my drivers. I classify everybody into a class of drivers. I have my Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson class. Okay. Then I have my Dale Jr. class. Great driver, never won a championship. Denny Hamlin comes into that class, okay? And I class all my drivers. And there's about four or five or six in most each class. Okay, so Tyler Reddick, I'm going to have to put him right around the middle of the road right now, okay? okay. But th that guy, I'm going to tell you what that guy needs. That guy needs that 09 Chevrolet that Keselowski took to victory lane at Talladega. <laughs> okay now you got to think about what happened that day we're going to take an underfunded car and we're going to put it in victory lane at talladega and we're going to do it with this kid that nobody knows okay there you go that's fair enough my wife that day she is she's something else <laughs> that gotta meet miss randy the plumber <laughs> yes that, that i'm telling you she's nascar smart too don't don't let she you can't fool her I'm excited about to, this. We, we, there's an alliance yeah, forming to, right now between us with NASCAR. Yeah. This is happening. She, she loves Chase Elliott, okay? She loves Brad Keselowski, too. But she's, she got a Chase Elliott hat on one day coming out of Walmart, and somebody says, oh, NASCAR, you probably don't know nothing about that. She said, what do you want to know? He starts asking questions. She starts talking, and he just walks off shaking his head. <laughs> and she, she hollers at him. She says, is there something else you need to know? <laughs> Randy, the plumber's my husband. There you go. <laughs> He's like, who the hell is that? Apparently he don't have TikTok. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, this was, I mean, this was years ago, but that day, that, that very morning, we're getting ready for Talladega. And my wife looks at me, we're over, we're over in the campground, you know, getting ready to go. She looks at me and she says, I'm going to tell you something. She says, Brad Keselowski is going to win this race today. And I said, who the hell is that? You know, she right. said the 09 car. I said, oh, nine, what? She said, some casinos on it. Oh, I said, whatever, you've lost your mind. And then he goes out there and wins the race right in front of me. And I'm looking at her going, I should be a billionaire right now if you just give me the odds every week while we're down at the bookie. I know, you've you got know? NASCAR Miss Cleo in the house. You're hiding her from all of us, Randy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
And then I told her, I said, he'll never win another race. Damn it. You know, he'll never win another. And then he goes out and wins the championship. There it is. But, uh, yeah, she saw, she saw something in him, you know, and I don't know what it was, but, but I, I would, that, that Tyler Reddick kid, man, I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good guy. I think he just needs that opportunity. You know what I'm saying? I think he needs Um, that. I think he needs to one up that equipment at RCR, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yes. And then that's, that's, that would be awesome. That would be awesome, but he just needs the right opportunity. And it doesn't matter about the car and it doesn't matter about the owner. If everything doesn't gel, you know, I could go to Joe Gibbs racing tomorrow and screw stuff up worse than anything you've ever seen in your life. While all of my teammates are out there winning races. That's it. You know, you got to have the driver, the crew chief, the owner combination, and it's all got to, it's all got to be in sync. That's and it. Then, then you have a chance, you know, to win a race on any given week, a chance to win a championship and, they all just have a chance. Without the chance, you ain't getting nowhere. That's you it. Know, some people just have better luck with their chance. You take that and you apply it. That's the basic principles of life as well. All those things you just talked yeah. about. It's just getting all your stuff and all your affairs in order and getting out there and getting it done. That's yep. what it all boils down to. Randy, yeah, dude, uh, it was uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show, man. We're definitely going to have you back. And I'm not, and I'm, I'm not just bullshitting you either. Right, we're, okay. we're, we're going to get you to this race. We're going to make it happen. Like I said, I know that we don't live far away from each other anymore. So we're going to make right. this happen. And, um, and we'll definitely be back in touch, but uh, definitely be staying in tune. And we're going to be staying in tune to your TikTok. But where can everybody follow you at? Well, your TikTok is Randy the Plumber. Uh, Instagram is Randy the Plumber. YouTube, I got a YouTube channel now. I got something big. I got something big happening Saturday night. What was? Uh, yeah, something big is happening Saturday. Happening Saturday night. We're uh, I built me a new studio. Okay, and I mean it's. I really went all out on this thing, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in love with it. But Saturday night, everybody's bored, so we're gonna have a presidential debate live on TikTok. Uh, I'm gonna be Joe Biden. I'm the Democratic <laughs> candidate. Okay, and then I'm going to be facing off against Donald Trump, which is EB with a Donald Trump uh, wig on. Okay. We're going we're gonna to do a lot of drinking leading up to this thing. We're setting up it all professional. Momo is going to be the moderator. Okay, so think about this. you got a presidential debate, and Momo is the moderator. This is going to be so incredible. What the, what the <laughs> hell you think is fixing to happen now? Oh, okay. shit. <laughs> so we're doing that live on TikTok, and it's only going to be live on TikTok. It's the only place it can be seen live, 9 p.m. Central, Saturday night, on my TikTok account. Uh, and it's right. going to be a one-hour debate. And I have no idea what's going to happen. We're not planning anything. We're not scripting anything. We're just basically going to turn the cameras on, act like presidential candidates, and show our ass. I love it. So, and, yeah, so you guys be sure to do that on Saturday for sure. So we got that. Dude, thanks again so much, Randy. We're definitely going to be in touch, man. And uh, and that's all we got for you guys on this episode 154. We'll be back uh, next week for episode 155. Be easy. Get ready for some uh, iRacing. This Sunday I'll have one of my articles up on Rotoballer to help you guys get ready to win some cash over on DraftKings. Uh, it's going to be a hell of a weekend. And again, don't forget, Saturday, be sure to get a Randy the Plumber's YouTube. Watch this debate. That's all we got. Any last words, Randy? Go to randytheplumber.com for all my merchandise, baby. Oh, shit.
That's it. Sports. Party. Repeat. It's the garage, guys. 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 It's the garage, guys.